Welcome to News and Brews Sports Fifth, our to the point video and podcast series where we will be discussing emerging issues to, related to the business of college sports. I'm your host, Katie Davis, and I'm here with my partner, Ken Kurtzel. You're in for a treat today. Our guest is Chris Ikoy, Senior Associate AD and CFO of UCLA. Go Bruins. Hey, Chris. Hi, everybody. How are we doing today? Thanks for joining us. Um, why don't we start by you telling us just a little bit about your history in college athletics and what your role is at UCLA. Sure. Thank you, uh, guys. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Um, as you mentioned, Chris Ikoy, Senior Associate Athletic Director at UCLA. I'm in my seventh year uh, at UCLA. Prior to this role, um, I was at Boston College as Assistant AD for Business Operations, where I had been for probably about 13 years. Um, went to school there. FBC had a great experience, grew up in Rhode Island. Uh, so as an East Coast guy, transplanted out here on the West Coast uh, for the last couple of years and uh, certainly enjoying our time, especially this time of year um, and have uh, have enjoyed um, being at UCLA without a doubt. Great. Well, I know it hasn't been all enjoyable as it's had its challenges over the last 11 months um, since the pandemic has canceled college sports. Um, will you share a little bit about your experience navigating everything in LA County and California? Sure. Um, you know, I think everyone ha has a different experience throughout the throughout the country based on the regions you live in. Uh, ours is unique to us for sure, um, and, and one that you know we've been along for the ride. And um, you know, we're listening to the experts both you know uh, nationally within the state. Um, and then also locally here in, in LA County and then on campus. And uh, it's been a, you know, a, a nonstop kind of whirlwind, um, whether we were going, stopping, going, playing, not playing over the last couple of months that, uh, you know, we, we've looked, uh, you know, like a lot of other places to, to others, not necessarily for answers because there is no answer to a once in a century pandemic, but um, for different ways to do things and uh, try to collaborate as much as we can to, to understand where we are. and. Um, you know, it, it's we're still go, it's still going on. So so we're still learning and trying to find a, a light at the end of the tunnel and, and work our way out of this. And I think, um, you know, collaboration, I feel like, has always been good, um, whether it's, you know, nationally or through the conference or through people on campus and, and other organizations um, like CABMA or, or, or NACTA. But uh, it, it's been even more so and heightened at, at this time because we're all going through something new together. And, and it's always easier to do that. Than it's kind of fly solo in, in this environment. Yeah, and speaking of um, you know support through your uh, conference, I've seen some reports from the Pac-12 about UCLA and USC really leaning on each other. Um, how has that been? It's been great. Um, Ninety percent of the time, we're always collaborating. I would say that ten percent we don't is when we're when we're competing against each other and we all want to win very badly. Uh, it's a unique situation we have out here in Los Angeles where you have two. Uh, really high achieving academic and athletic institutions um, competing at the highest level for the same thing. And um, a lot of their concerns during this time were the same as ours, is how do we safely compete, uh, bring our student athletes back, let them do what they love and uh, facilitate that for them in this environment. So, um, you know, whenever we've reached out to, to LA County, it's been in conjunction with them and our two campuses, quite honestly, not just in athletics, but uh, campuses overall. And, and how to best uh, address those those concerns. So um, some of the things we've, we've been successful in and, and some of them not so successful, but I think our goals have always been aligned um, 
through that through that uh, main focus of, of being able to bring our student athletes back, being able to compete, um, and, and let them do what they love, and, and make sure we're doing it safely. Yeah, that's great. Um, so you mentioned, uh, you know, other networks that you have, um, and and working with your peers as you navigate this. Um, how have your peers helped you through this time? They've been unbelievable, um, without a doubt. And I and I think, you know, everyone's gone into this with a, with an open mindset and and not knowing what's coming and knowing that we don't know um, and not knowing what you don't know can, can be a good thing and a bad thing sometimes. Um, so, you know, what's worked in other places may or may not work here. You know, we're, we're part of a, a large university system, you know, we're one of 10 campuses and, um, you know, have to follow along those guidelines as much as we do anybody else's. So um, we're leaning on, you know, peers in the UC system for certain things and peers in the Pac-12 for, for certain things and peers nationally for some, for other things. And, um, you know, different people have, have different ideas based on where they are. Uh, so, you know, drawing on all of those experiences has, has helped us along the way, um, knowing that we have to do what's best for UCLA in Los Angeles on a UCLA campus. Um, but it's been a, it's been a, it's been really good, um, more so than, than anything before. And I would have always said that it's been a, a pretty collaborative effort in this space. Yeah. What's one piece of advice that you would share with others who are listening that um, has been helpful for you? I think the biggest thing is know that you're not alone, uh, right? And that you don't have to have all the answers, especially right now. Um, I would say that probably all, all the time, you know, you know, different different uh, think tanks that, that, that you've been a part of or helped us with. And, and also, um, you know, through CABMA, I think those relationships uh, nationally always help you know that you're not alone and that someone's always there to pick up the phone and while our budgets may be different sizes and we may have different sports, we're all, um, we're all facing the same challenges. So I think that's one thing we've, we've really uh, emphasized more than, more, than ever, more than ever over the last couple months. That's great. Chris, you talked a little bit about player safety. Um, thinking along those lines as you've had returned to play, I know numerous sports got postponed from the fall into the spring. Um, so that's obviously creating some you know, logistical issues as you navigate their new seasons on top of regular spring seasons. Can you talk a little bit about what return to play has looked like and navigating that within the context of LA County and California and the various um, regulations you have? Sure, uh, it, it's, it's a whirlwind right now. Um, you know, we have 24 sports going right now of our 25 football wow. oh. that, that's done. So everyone in the fall has, uh, moved over to the to the spring. So you know we have um, a lot of challenges. And I think we were talking yeah. with our operations folks um, last week. And during the 10 o'clock to 11 o'clock hour, we have 11 teams uh, either practicing or competing or, or going through some kind of activities, whether it's weights wow. or, or something else. So it's a juggling act where all systems go right now. We've got all hands on deck. Um, you know, we're following obviously all the protocols of the conference in the city and, and, the, and the county uh, and campus as best we can or to the T or, or we wouldn't be competing. Um, and, you know, we're working within uh, those parameters. We've had staff, uh, we're very fortunate to have an eager staff that have uh, been helpful and, and kind of taking on different roles uh, during this time, whether they're helping out with the testing aspects or the checking in. Um, so, you know, we've been fortunate that we've had some, some redeployment of staff and, and folks have been great with that. Um, you guys can see here that, that I'm still sitting at home, but, uh, you know, we are able to get back on campus to help those uh, that, that do need to, to compete during their, their seasons right now. So, 
um, you know, it, it's it's been a it's been a juggling act for sure, and we knew it would be a sprint uh, to go from from zero to one to twenty four, and um, you know, still deliver that that high level of uh, experience for our student athletes as best we can across the board, regardless of what the, the sport may be and, and the visibility of those programs. Um, so. You know, it, the, the workload is, is different. It's real, um, but we're we're enjoying it. You know, we're never going to do it again, hopefully. So uh, <laughs> hopefully not. Yeah. we'll have a roadmap if we do. But, uh, you know, it's something that uh, we're, we're figuring out on the fly and, and uh, you know, fortunate to be in, in, in a, at a place where so many people want to help and contribute and, and uh, lend a hand, even if it's not necessarily their their main main focus or lane that they're, that they're usually in. Well, that's encouraging to hear. Um, in addition to that sounding really daunting, managing that many sports simultaneously, uh, it also sounds a little expensive uh, as you try to manage that within the con context also of reduced budgets and so forth. So can you say anything about how, you know, how you manage all of that overtime potentially, all of those extra costs associated with these 24 sports simultaneous while also still trying to keep hold of the budget? Yeah, it, it's been it's been a challenge for sure. Um, you know, without having the ability to have fans, our game day limited, you know, game day revenue opportunities are very limited, if, if not there at all. Um, so, you know, but through having less events in some cases or um, just be just doing different things, the NCAA dead period, things along those lines, we've been able to save some dollars. Um, and obviously, we're trying to preserve everything that, that we do have um, from a from a staffing and also from a uh, sports standpoint. So we're working as best we can to, to try and juggle all of those things. We're using our staff creatively. Um, so if someone doesn't need to do something immediately that day and the project can wait, then we're bringing them in and, and they're going to help with, you know, mailroom activities or, or, or simply, you know, check in at a, at a sporting event. So um, we're bare bones in a lot of cases, but uh, knowing that we don't have fans is, is, is able, we're able to, to do things uh, a little bit differently. Um, it's unfortunate, but but kind of the scenario we're in. So we're just kind of, you know, redeploying and, and reallocating some funds uh, while trying to preserve, you know, what dollars we do have uh, as best we can. Yeah. Well, well, speaking of fans there, um, you know, are there some unique things that y'all are doing to try to really help with fan engagement during this period of time where they can't be in person for events? Um, how are you keeping them hooked in? Yeah, I think our, our, our marketing staff and our external staff has done a great job trying to, you know, and I think you've seen these in, in different places, too, whether it's, uh, you know, virtual chats with student athletes or, or virtual Zoom sessions with coaches. Uh, we had a virtual 5K, 10K earlier in the year. We tried to do a couple of virtual sellouts, if you will, and knowing that people aren't coming, but um, still be able to provide something for, for a ticket, if you will. Um, be it a poster, a T-shirt, or something along those lines to fans uh, to just try and generate interest. We've done, um, you know, a couple second screen events during a lot of our home sporting events so that uh, people can stay engaged and, and just see a different side of, of the atmosphere. Um, and that's on top of the, the typical engagement stuff we're doing, whether it's emails or just um, different events that way, to, so that people know that you know we need them, we care about them, we love them, um, and and we're we're doing everything we can to, to, to keep their engagement with us at, um, to, to a level that's, you know, reasonable at this point, not not what we want, but um, we're sure, certainly trying our best to keep that. And within the department, have you, has discussion turned now to looking, looking forward to next athletic season, um, you know, fall of this year and 
what it might look like with uh, return of fans and how to overcome some hesitancy barriers, not to mention, obviously, there's still a lot of unknowns about regulations. Um, but is that a discussion you're having now on how to entice them to come back? Yeah, I think a lot of what we've looked at last year or this past fall in preparation for what this could be, whether we're going to have 100% fans or 50% fans, 25% fans, we have a lot of those rough drafts uh, yeah. ready to go. And it's just once we once we understand the environment we're going to be in at that time, we can enact those. You know, we certainly have the context um, both on campus and, and in the county to know, you know who we have those conversations with at the appropriate time. But I think we have our operational plans roughly written out. Um, and then can, can execute those once we know exactly what the environment's going to look like. Um, you know, and then, you know, our staff is working on some different ideas that uh, hopefully will we'll entice people to come back. But we know, especially out here, given the environment that we're in, that uh, there may be some hesitancy. And, you know, that may be not unique to us, but we want to be we want to be prepared. And we're going to try different things. We're going to try some new things. And you know, those guys are, no, are never short on ideas. So we'll, uh, we'll hopefully uh, find the right answers to, to that equation when, when the time comes. That's great. Uh, so let's shift gears to name, image, and likeness, which is coming whether we're ready for it or not. Um, of course, COVID-19 threw a huge wrench into any kind of proactive planning in that area. Um, but you're in a unique position in that you're in LA, which is the epicenter of people who earn a lot of money based on their name, image, or likeness. And while these regulations are still evolving, do you anticipate that um, it will be different at UCLA as compared to maybe your other peer institutions across the country just because of where you are? Um, we're going to hope so, I think, in a good way. You know, we're going to try <laughs> and use, and I, I mean, this is an unbelievable opportunity. And however it shakes out, it's, it's going to shake out. Um, you know, we haven't come forth with anything yet. We want to be mm -hmm. delivering thoughtful on that process, but I, I think this is a great opportunity for us to, to certainly educate our young people, um, but also create a, hopefully create a competitive advantage for us using those those, uh, those resources you, you did mention. So, um, you know, we're working on a couple things and, and they may be able to be enacted, they may not be able to based on kind of how it all shakes out, but we really uh, like to use that to our advantage, like we do anything else, um, to really create a great experience for our student athletes to understand you know what this could be and then to, to certainly to run with it and, and execute it once it's all fully up and running and, and we've kind of ironed out our plan, our plan uh, knowing what the, the scope is. Yeah I'm um, for one a huge fan of some of your student athletes especially some of your gymnasts and what I love about the power of your student athletes is that they have potential to earn a lot and while the country is kind of looking at okay football men's basketball there's going to be a handful of really high earners um, there was a report that came out a while ago from athletic director you that listed the 25 most valuable college athletes um, ranked by endorsement potential and in the top half of that were four UCLA student athletes all were women uh, gymnasts and women's basketball players that and their earnings potential according to ADU um, ranged anywhere from 150,000 to north of 400,000 a piece. Um, so as you're preparing for this, are there any unique approaches for different sports um, and including the Olympic sports as opposed to just your um, main revenue generating sports? I think our whole, our approach would be holistic just for the, the reasons you mentioned is that uh, we're very fortunate here to have some super high achieving um, 
student athletes and some of them were before they even enrolled here um, and many have aspirations to go uh, beyond UCLA and, and do great things in their in their sport um, you know we've had gold medalists uh, enroll right so that they're following in, in gymnastics was, was unbelievable um, and they're unbelievable student athletes and, and um, you know same with some other sports certainly we have two um, they were to be Olympians in softball this year and, and still will be Olympians uh, th that did come back and we've had Olympians in other some some of our aquatic sports as well um, so yeah I think our approach would be holistic uh, to give everybody that opportunity because uh, we do have so many high achieving student athletes that, that you know this is uh, UCLA and, and we know that's part of the deal here and, and we want to make sure that uh, everybody can have that same opportunity uh, regardless of of what they're choosing to do while they're here. So Chris, um, Katie and I are on East Coast time, so that means that we've actually started uh, started happy hour here, um, drinking a brew. Um, I know it's a little bit different out, out, out west and you aren't yet, um, but Katie, would you share what you're drinking? Yeah, so I made my rounds to the Gainesville local breweries because we're not really venturing out much further than that. Um, I picked up Swamp Head Brewery, it's called, uh, it's Doug's Dairy Twirl, which they have multiple varieties of this, but this one's a barrel-aged Imperial Mocha Stout, and it's it's good, but it's really sweet. Um, I think I'd rather have what you're drinking, Ken, um, which, uh, will you share with us what that is? Yeah, so I'm drinking, for those who've joined us before, uh, First Magnitude is one of our favorite breweries here in town. They started the special delivery series um, as part of the pandemic uh, and the lockdown time period. So I'm on number, this is number four uh, that they've released uh, over, you know, every other month or so, uh, maybe a little longer than that. They, they release a new one. It's, it's outstanding. It's a hazy New England IPA, super yummy. So Chris, hopefully you'll be able to enjoy something later on when the workday ends. Yeah, no, exactly. That would be, that would be my hope. Um, one that one that I pick and, and one unfortunately I haven't had the chance to have in a little bit is a uh, and I don't have one handy because they don't they don't distribute out here on the West Coast but every time I am back home uh, we, my uh, wife's family has a has a place out in Nantucket Massachusetts and I am uh, I'm a big Cisco Brewery fan so I will uh, give them a little plug certainly their 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 whale's tail IPA and, and their great ladies a little wheat uh, that they have and that's a certainly a nice summer summer uh, indulgence for us when we get the chance to go back out there and hopefully uh, we'll be out there soon and can enjoy one. Very nice. Yeah, I would say the state of Massachusetts has some of the best beer in the country. And Absolutely. I know Ken would disagree. He likes California beer too, um, but I I agree with you, Chris. I do feel bad because there are so many good ones out here, but I I, I had to, you, you said pick one. So this was, this was my starting point. There you go, yep. good. Yep. Well, thank you, Chris, so much for sharing with us today. I know your peers are going to get a lot out of um, today's show. And thank you to our listeners for tuning in um, as we continue to advocate for the financial voices in college athletics to be heard. You can visit our website, jmco.com, and you can follow us on social media as um, the collegiate athletic landscape continues to evolve. Cheers. <laughs>